So we're in our series called Afterglow, and an afterglow is a glow that remains even after a light is gone. And what we're doing is we are getting inside of the closed room with Jesus and his disciples, and we're pulling up a chair, and we're listening in to these words of Christ, these words of Jesus, the night before he was crucified. We're listening into those words, and these are the words that have left an afterglow that remain even today, and we're getting really deep in now. So we're going to really settle in, and we're going to dig deep into these words that he is saying. I mean, we're getting into the meat of it today, so we're really going to dig in, and what I want to start with is this, and I really want you to picture this in your mind. I want you to kind of get lost in this. So once... What Christianity is saying is once the world was as it was meant to be, all things were right and there was nothing to feel trouble in your heart over. We essentially were home. And then as fast as you can take a bite out of an apple, it was lost. And as soon as it all was lost, we started longing for it again. And it's beca- it has become this distant memory, this distant memory of our true home in our minds, in our hearts that is beating, that is longing within us to get back there. And these longings, that feeling is our longing for home. And these longings, they're like a pebble that has found its way into your heart the same way a pebble will find its way into your shoe. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to fix our attention on that pebble that's bouncing around in our heart, that's pointing to the lost world. And what we're going to find is we're seeking after this lost world. We're going to find that there is a seal that has kept us out of our home. Now, if the seal remains, if the seal can't be broken, then that means this is all that there is. This is it. Done. We die. Everything's over. Done. But If that seal can be broken through, then that means resurrection is possible, that means new life is possible, and that means getting home is possible. Today, what we're going to look at is this longing for home, this pebble that teaches us to long for home, that sets us out on this journey to find home, and ultimately, we're going to see how we find our home. John 14, verses 1 through 6. This is Jesus speaking. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So verse 1 says, let your heart not be troubled. And a troubled heart is a heart that has a pebble that has found its way into your heart. So one of the saddest things that I think we see in life is that we've got this pebble bouncing around in our heart, bouncing around in the engine of our heart, grinding up all of our gears. And most of the time, this pebble, this longing goes unlooked at. It goes ignored. 
But if we will deal, if we will learn to deal with this pebble that is bouncing around in the engine of our heart, it will show us something that's wonderful. See, the pebble is saying something to us. The same way a mechanic listens to an engine, if the mechanic hears something bouncing around in this engine, the engine, in a sense, is speaking to that mechanic, saying something is wrong and telling that mechanic what is wrong. The same way when we've got this pebble bouncing around in our heart, grinding up our gears, the pebble is telling us something. It's saying something to us. It's saying something is wrong. You aren't yet home. Your longing heart is longing because it isn't home. You aren't satisfied because you aren't home. You are missing something in your life and you know it. And that the reason is because you aren't home. I want to read to you something. This is a quote from C.S. Lewis. And we talk about desire a lot at the Grove. And this really gets into the meat of a lot of things that we say about desire. It's a very important quote. Here it comes. This is from C.S. Lewis. He says, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hunger. Well, there's such thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there's such thing as water. Man feels sexual desire. Well, there's such thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably, earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse in it to suggest the real thing. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed in or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life and press on to that country and to help others do the same. In our verses, Jesus is saying essentially that your troubled heart is troubled because you are longing for home. You have desires that aren't being satisfied in this world because you are made for another world. Set what Jesus is saying is say, set your imagination upon the world that he is going to bring you into one day. Now, setting our minds upon our true home, it's not going to make bad things not happen to us. What it's saying is that when bad things do happen to us, we are fixing our mind on the home that is to come. So we will still have hope. This week, Elise was watching a documentary and I sat down to watch it with her. It's a documentary on Elizabeth Smart. Do you know who she is? She's this girl that, at 14 years old, was kidnapped out of her room in the middle of the night, was kidnapped out and it, by this man, this kidnapper, and brought her out into the woods with this man's spouse or something. And she was kept out there for almost a year. And some horrible, horrible things happened to her when this happened. And she said, when I felt like I was going to lose hope, when I felt like I was about to go crazy, she said, I remembered my home. And when I remembered my home, it gave me the strength. It gave me the want to push on. It gave me the hope that I needed to survive what I was going through. She needed that. To, she needed to remember her home. Now, the question you have to ask yourself is this. 
When your heart feels troubled, here's what you ask yourself. Is this my home? And if it is, then this is all there is. This is the best it gets. So to be troubled is just to be troubled, and that's how you're going to feel, and this is all that there is. Done, dead, done. Troubled heart all the way through, the best it gets. But if this isn't our home, if Jesus really is going to prepare a place for us in his Father's house, our true home, then we can press on knowing that there's something greater after this. Your troubled heart is screaming at you. You're not home. Any discontent, any unhappiness, any lack of joy, it's saying this is not the place where you're meant to be. When you're not able to live the way that you know you want to live and ought to live, it's because you're not home. When you can't love the people the way that you know you should love them, the reason is because you're not home. You can't live the way you're meant to live until you're finally home, and there you can live the way you're meant to live. So I want you to imagine this. Imagine that you're on a space shuttle, and you're about to go to Mars, and you're wearing the clothes that you have on now, and you're about to step out onto Mars. Now, if, if you're wearing t-shirt and jeans and you walk out onto Mars and you held your breath, you could probably survive for about a minute. So you step out to do this. By the way, the temperature is as low as 199, negative 199 degrees Fahrenheit. But in the summer, it reaches up to 80 degrees. So you step out into this 80 degree weather and you hold your breath. And here's what would happen to you. Before you could not, before you would die because you didn't have enough air, here's what would happen to you. The atmosphere would be like a vacuum and it would tear apart your insides and it would be a very quick and painful death that would happen to you. Why? Because you aren't made for Mars. You're made for the earth. You're not made for Mars. You could say that you couldn't survive on Mars. And I say, oh, that's interesting, but because actually you can survive on Mars. You can survive on Mars for about a minute. You can survive on the earth a lot longer, but here's what Jesus is saying. The home that you are made for, once you get there, it's going to make life and home feel like life on the earth was like life on Mars to you. It's foreign. It's not, you're not made for the earth. You're not made for this world. There's a world that you are made for. And here's what Jesus is telling us. Our real home if we long for it, we're going to realize this is like Mars to us. You think you can live with great potential on this earth, in this world, but there's a world where you're going to be running in. You're going to be doing things you did not know that you were able to do. I don't know what they're going to be, but I know they're going to be awesome because it's going to be the world that we're made for. And every time you feel trouble, your heart is reminding you that there is a greater way to live. The pebble is bouncing around, screaming at you, there's a better way. Long for the world you're made for. When you try to get heaven out of earth, it's the same as trying to get earth out of Mars. It doesn't work. So when someone breaks your heart, you say, this is not my home. There is a place where my heart will be dancing for eternity. That's what you're longing for. 
When something goes wrong in your life, the pebble in your heart is going crazy, bouncing around, telling you you're not home. So this is what this pebble has now done. This pebble, this longing has set you upon a journey now. It has set you out to find your home. It's a journey of excitement. It's a journey of discovery. It's a journey of letdown. And it's a journey that leads to that first breath of air that you are meant to breathe. And you say, wow, this is what it was meant to be like. This is making earth feel like Mars to me. See, if you know that you are going home but aren't there yet, then that means you're in exile. Now, an exile, an exile, you are in exile, but you are in exile who is on a journey. You are headed towards a destination. You are wandering in the wilderness, but not all those who wander are lost because you have a destination. If you know where you are going, then that means you are on a journey there. And that might mean life on this earth, life in this world might feel like something is wrong. You're going to feel like you're wandering. You're going to feel like you're losing your faith. You're going to feel like you're going crazy. But in the end, the journey leads to a destination. When your mind can't make sense of the world, when you feel like, where is God? Everyone in your life, you're looking around at them and they're like, oh, yeah, God. The joy of knowing God, and you're like, what, what is that? I don't understand that. The reason you are feeling that way is because you aren't a home. This journey is a journey of faith. It's not a journey of seeing everything perfectly as it is. It's a journey of faith that it is one day going to be here for you. When your emotions feel out of control, when your actions are like, I cannot seem to live all the ways that I stand for. I believe this, but I can't seem to live the way that I know I should be because you're not home. Elizabeth Smart kept saying, I'm going home. I'm going home one day. One day I'll be home. One day I'll be home. And that's what helped her survive. So Thomas, in, in these verses, he asked Jesus the question that we all want to know. He says, Jesus says to disciples, you know the way home. And Thomas says, no, I don't. I don't know the way home. I don't even know where we're going. So how, do I, how am I supposed to know the way home? Now, here's what Thomas has done. He's doing like what all of us do. And here's what he's done. He's going to Jesus the way you'd go to a prophet, a sage, a wise mentor, a moral teacher. He's going to him like that. And that is not what Jesus is. That's why Thomas is confused. See, once you start longing for home, so you get this feeling, you're longing for something greater, you start reaching in all these different places to find a guide that is going to bring you home. You're reaching all over the place. So let me show you how this typically plays out. You're looking for a guide, and you start reaching around. You realize you're not home, and so you start this journey. Okay, I got to find home. So I'm going to find, I'm going to try this guide. I'm going to try this guide out. And so here's how it happens. Someone jumps into religion, jumps into philosophy. Let's say someone says, okay, I'm going to come to the conclusion that incarnation is what happens to us. So if, here's what that is saying. I'm going to come back in this world as something else. Now, but you have a troubled heart. Now, if your heart is troubled, 
and you're just going to live and die and repeat it all over again, then what you are saying is there is an eternity of a troubled heart. There's an eternity of things in this world not being the way that I know they're supposed to be deep down. Something is wrong. So we have an eternity of this over and over again. So someone says, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Someone might say, they've got friends who go to a church. So they say, okay, I'm going to go to church. And they step into the church, and they go to Jesus like a guide. Like, like a guide who's going to bring them home, like a moral teacher. And so they go to him like that. But they're frustrated. Because they aren't experiencing what other people around them are experiencing. They still have a troubled heart. There's still things happening in their life. They see people around them joyful, and they see people around them with a troubled heart, and they're frustrated, and they say, oh, why isn't this happening for me? And so they say, I'm just going to try to fit in. So they try to muster up the strength to be joyful, and it doesn't work, so they leave the church. What has happened is they were coming to Jesus like Thomas was. They were, they were mistaking Jesus for something else. Maybe it was the church's fault, but either way, they have mistaken Jesus for something. They have missed who he really is. Thomas came to Jesus just like a guide. They've mistaken Christianity for one religion among many that leads us home. But Jesus doesn't let us do that. Look at what he says in verse 6. And now, if you will look at verse 6 and really meet Jesus here, it's going to change the way you see what it means to find home, and it's going to change the way you see Jesus. It's going to change the way you see Christianity. You're going to have fresh eyes. So here's, here's how it goes. Jesus says to Thomas, after Thomas comes to him like a guide, like, guide me, show me the way home. And Jesus says, Thomas, I can't give you what you are asking me. I can't give you, I can't point you to the way home because I am the way home. Now, don't miss what he's saying here. A prophet says, that's the way. Buddha says, that's the way. A wise teacher says, that's the way. Um, a, a wise mentor says, that's the way. A guide says, that's the way. But Jesus says, I am the way. Don't go down a path. Come to me, a person. This is radically different than anything else. He's saying, Jesus is saying, You're on, you are on a journey. And the journey home is to me and through me. We are exiles, he's saying. You aren't home, and the way home is not a path, but a person. And the claim here is unmistakable. He won't let you make him a guide. He says, I'm either a rescuer or I'm nothing. The great world that we are made for, Jesus is saying, this is Jesus what he is saying, He's saying, I am the way. I am the only way in. Jesus' claim here is you have two choices. It's either him or not him. What are you going to make of him? He's forcing our hand. 
He's always doing this over and over and over again. We keep seeing him do this. He's saying, I am the door. I'm the only one that's going to lead you home. The door to your home, it's me. It's nothing else. It's me. There's one door to your home. Come to me. Open it up. Come on. Let's go home. In, in Monsters, Inc., there is a girl, and she gets lost in the world of monsters. And it's, she's not really that scared about it, but all the monsters are scared. So she gets lost in this world, and then they set out on this journey to find her door because the door is what's going to lead her back to her home. In fact, for her, the door and her home are one and the same thing, and that's the same thing with Jesus. He is the door to our home. When you find him, you find home. Psalm 90 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place, our eternal home. If you, if, if you say, I'm a Christian, and you say, but Christianity is one door among many that leads home, then you have misunderstood what Jesus is saying here. He doesn't allow you to make mistakes. He's making it so clear. He's not allowing you to misunderstand him. Nothing gets you home but him. The same way the little girl from Monsters, Inc. knows that her main goal, her main journey is to find this door because if she finds the door, she finds home. The same way Jesus is saying, when you find me, you find your home. Elizabeth Smart, when she gets rescued by the cops, finally, she's not really sure if she's free yet. She's still scared. She gets back to the police station and she says, where are my kidnappers? Where are my captors? She's scared they're still going to come back and get her. She asks, am I free now? She's not really sure. She's not really sure if they're going to go be locked up in prison or they're still going to have access to her. She's still terrified. And the same thing is true for us. We have been set free in Christ, but we're not really sure if we're free. We start having these doubts about it all. We start getting fearful. We start thinking, no, this sounds too good to be true. And then she says, she says she wants to know what's going to happen to her captors because she still thinks that they're going to come back for her. And we think the same thing about death. Death has been put in chains, but we still think it's coming for us. We still think it has power over us. We still think it's going to come get us. Elizabeth Smart, when she goes to the trial, and it's like eight years after, she finally is set free. She gets to the trial, and she walks in, and she sees her kidnapper, but she sees him in chains. And she said, when I saw him in chains, I wasn't scared of him anymore because I knew he was locked up. I, she said, I knew he had no power over me. And when we understand what Jesus is saying here, when we understand what he's giving us, then we can now look at death and say death has no power over us. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? It's none. It's not existent. It's something we just simply pass through because Jesus has thrown death in its prison. When Elizabeth Smart was looking at her captors, she was looking at them through the door of her home, through the door of freedom. And the same thing is true for us. We stand beside Christ knowing that he is our door of freedom and we stand underneath him, in him, and we look, we look right at death and we say, death, 
You have no hold on me anymore. You have no power over me because we're looking at it through the lens of being under the door of Christ, looking at it with freedom. We're looking at it as we are already home. It has no power. When death finds you, can't negotiate it with, with it. You can't bargain with it. You can't, it just does what it does. You can't hide from death. You need someone to come and throw death in its chains. You need someone to go take death and put death in its own grave. And here's how Jesus does it for you. Don't miss this. Our inability to love like we know we should, our inability to love others and to love God has created this seal that has kept us away from home. Now, here's why. Home is a place of perfect love. The home we're made for is a place of perfect love. That's what you long for, a place of perfect love. But if we, who don't have the ability, and come on, let's just admit it, we don't love people like we should. If we enter into that perfect place of perfect love, we, and we are not perfect in our love, then that place is no longer perfect. It's not a place of perfect love, so then we don't long for it anymore because what we're longing for is a place of perfect love. So we're sealed off from it. So Jesus comes into the lost world, and he's crucified. Why? Because when he is crucified, all of our sins are placed upon him, and when he dies, the power sin has over us dies. Sin dies, and now we are fit for our true home. But there's still a problem. Death has still sealed us in. And so, in the grave, Jesus breaks through death. He breaks through the grave. He punches a hole in it. And he comes out so that now there is a hole within death. And now when we walk into death, we simply pass right through it into our true home. And he has now sealed us in our true home. His death and resurrection create a door for us because he is ripped open on the cross and we pass through him. And that has opened up the seal. And now, because he has done this, he has sealed us into our home forever. We are sealed already now. We have been put in a vacuum right now. We are in it, in Christ. We're in this vacuum, and the vacuum leads straight. It doesn't lead to decay and death like on Mars, but it leads us straight to our true home. We can't escape it. We're in the vacuum. We're sealed in, and we're just simply waiting for the day where we walk right in to our true home through the door who is Christ. And what he's saying here to all of us, what he's saying to all the world is come to me. Anyone, just come. Please come to me. He wants us to come to him. It's as simple as having the faith of all of these options that we think are around and simply coming to him and opening up the door, walking through. He wants you to walk right through him. So let's go to him. Let's pray. God, help us to make sense of all of this and all of the thoughts that we have 
about finding home and how we get there. God, help us make sense of it all. God, you say that your word is truth. So make us see the truth behind what you are saying. And if we need to wrestle through this, God, be with us as we are wrestling through it. Be there beside us. Walk beside us. Help us to understand. God, we're lost without you. We're wandering without a destination. God, as we're wandering, find us so that we won't be lost. We want to find our home, and we want to find you. So come to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.